At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The biggest games of the football season are coming, and Bet Rivers is introducing new parlay features just in time for the playoff push. For your next bet, go ahead and try new multi-game parlay and combine bets across games to make your perfect combination. Plus, you can combine player props, game bets, and even different same-game parlays into one multi-game parlay. Make your parlay today at Bet Rivers. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com to place all of your bets. This is the Chicago CityCast with Danny Burke, presented by BetRivers. So by now we have probably all heard the news Justin Fields will be a no-go for the game against Minnesota. The Bears have placed Fields on the reserve slash COVID-19 list. Devastating news for this kid. My goodness. The guy can't catch a break. How is that affecting the betting lines, not only for the full game, but the first half on Sunday with the Bears and the Vikings? I'll dissect that here on the Chicago CityCast. Presented by Bet Rivers. I'm Danny Burke, your host. Remember, you can always follow me on the tweets at Danny Burke 5 Not only on this episode will we be talking Bears and Vikings, we'll also get into the thick of it with the Blackhawks game tonight against the lowly Arizona Coyotes, and we'll talk about the national championship game and how I may be approaching that based on a futures bet that I had before the season. But let's get into it with Fields and this Bears team. Man, that just stinks. I mean, you know, I've been talking about it this past week and and what I was hoping for out of Fields. And, I, you know, I I kept recalling the interview I had with Sean King, fellow VEASAN host, former NFL quarterback. And when he came on my show Rush Hour after that Seahawks game, he's like, yeah, that was a good win by the Bears, but I wish it was Fields out there. I wish it was Fields getting the win. He needed that. He deserves it. It would be great for his ego, his confidence, right? And his momentum maybe going into the next several games, couple games, and then in the offseason for the next year. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it versus the Giants. Would have been an easy winner. Very competitive, but good chance to do it against the Vikings. And then the poor guy gets placed on the COVID list, just as Kirk Cousins gets taken off. That's a bummer, to say the least. I'm mad because I'm locked in on a teaser that I made. I know I talked about one yesterday. I got a little bit involved in teasing the Bears up to plus 10.5 once they were catching four. Did a a 6.5 point teaser. And I I just, I don't know. I mean, it blows, right? And even with the new protocols five days, you know, that's not going to cut it in time. And that just really stinks. Not only from a fan perspective, you want to see Fields one more time. You want to see him do successful. But just from the 
character building of Fields. Again, this is going to be a while now, and not that the one week was going to make a difference, but since he has seen actual playing time, and the last time, what, was that Vikings game? It just just blows, because you knew this season was gone for a while, but at least you could have ended it on a high note, and with three wins from three different quarterbacks would have been something else, man. But it stinks, and that's the way the NFL has been. The guy couldn't get it when he was injured. Come on now. I know, I'm just playing. He obviously can't control that and don't want him to get it at any point. But, man, this is just a bummer. I mean, I was excited for this game. I really was. Yeah, I'm excited for every Bears game for the most part. But at this point in the season when the whole year is pretty much thrown down the drain, you get excited for certain things. And the certain thing was obviously Justin Fields getting to start in a game where I think he had a really good shot to win against the Vikings. So what does this do with the betting odds? Well, we're assuming it's going to be Andy Dalton. My goodness. I wish it was Nick Foles. I really do. And I always have. Over, like, if if I was given the choice, at least in the latter half of the season, I'm going Nick Foles for sure. Do you see what Andy was doing against the Giants last week? He was begging them to pick off the ball. You can't do that against Minnesota. Not the best defense by any stretch of the imagination, but a competent team and a competent defense. The Giants are none of that. Yes, the Vikings are incredibly infuriating, frustrating, whatever you want to call them, but at least they can, they have a decent secondary with Smith, right? I just, man, it is not going to be fun seeing Andy Dalton out there against the Vikings. Ugh. And yes, I'm mainly salty because in my betting position, I'm locked in with the Bears here. You think teasing them up to 10.5 is still enough? You think the Bears can still cover that against the Vikings? The good news is, again, it's the Vikings. Every game seems to come down to one score. So where is this line now after it's been reposted? So as we know, the... True opener, in a sense, had the Vikings three and a half. Justin Fields, assuming he was going to be the starter. Line moves down to two and a half in favor of Minnesota still. Kirk Cousins taken off the COVID list. Looks like he's going to be a go. Line goes back up to three and a half. My assumption even at two and a half was that he was going to play. That was no problem to me. And then the line started creeping up to like four. I don't think it touched four and a half, but they were getting that way. And then the news about Fields comes out. You're taking off the board. Now at Bet Rivers, you're seeing the spread at five and a half over minus 112, under minus 109. Minnesota minus 210 on the money line. Chicago plus 180. Total still at 44 and a half, shaded to the under minus 112. If you were thinking about getting involved in this total and you wanted to bet the under, you didn't do it, now's your chance. Again, look, Fields, no. The offense didn't do great against the Vikings. The offense has had its blunders and lack of scoring this whole year, regardless of who the quarterback is. And I've made the argument, don't get me wrong. I've made the argument the offense gets more simplified when it's an Andy Dalton, a Nick Foles out there, Compared to Justin Fields. And that still holds true, honestly. But in this game where Nagy, you know, maybe a little bit looser because he knows it's the last game, letting it fly. 
I don't know. I just, I was excited for Fields, guys. I thought he could have a really good performance against his Vikings team. I'm not excited to watch Andy Dalton. The thing I'm hoping for now is that David Montgomery just torches it up. And it's no knock on Dalton. Look, we say it time and time again because it always seems like we're insulting the poor guy, but we're not insulting him on his character. We're just not too excited to watch him throw the pigskin around. We want it to be Justin Fields. And honestly, I want it, if not Fields, to be Nick Foles. Andy Dalton's not going to Seattle and winning that game for you. Nick Foles wins in big moments. It doesn't matter. It's the Vikings, the last game of the season. I get it. I'm just trying to speak it into existence so my bet has a little bit more life to it with Nick Foles as opposed to Andy Dalton. But five and a half, what do you do with it now? My answer is nothing. You can't trust the Vikings to dominate a game. Or maybe you can't. But the thing that's trickier about it now is what we've been talking about this week is what is the mentality of Minnesota going into this game since they're eliminated, since Zimmer's been a clown show. They'll probably still go out there and fight, of course. Kirk Cousins will. He always does. The offense will do it, but I don't know, man. This game, as ugly as it was, as minimal meaning as it had, I thought it was going to be decent. But now this is a real bummer. Not even going to lie. This stinks. I'm depressed. I wanted to see Fields, man. But yeah, at five and a half, I don't know. If you still want to get involved with the Bears, just wait a little bit. Wait to see where this line goes. And if you could get like a six. If not, hey, guess what? You could always bet endgame. I'm sure the Vikings will get out to an early lead. Big thing for the Bears now, as it always is, let David Montgomery do his thing. He did very well against the Vikings until he kind of got limited, but he was able to cruise through the holes of this Vikings team. They have a terrible run defense. We'll be looking for his props once again. The under gets more interesting now, though. But a real bummer, no Justin Fields for that game against Minnesota. Uh, let's move on to these first half betting odds, though. What can we look forward to for the beginning stages of this game? We always like to handicap that for every single Bears game. And I was looking, I was like, all right, well, where are these where are these numbers going to move for the first half after the news of Justin Fields not being in the game? And in terms of the actual numbers itself, like spread in total, didn't, didn't move. The odds, yes, shifted a tad bit. But let's take a look at where they are now. So first half three-way bet. Meaning you could bet the Bears on the money line, Vikings on the money line, or you could bet this game to be tied going into the second half. You could also do the tie no bet first half where it's just the Bears straight up, Vikings straight up first half. The catch here is when you do the tie no bet first half, you're not getting as good a value as the first half three-way. However, if it does push, you get your money back. The first half three-way, if it does push, you don't get your money back because the tie is actually a betting option. And if you don't take it, you lose it if it hits, meaning. But nevertheless, first half three-way, Bears plus 170. Tie is 11-1. Vikings minus a buck 62. For the tie, no bet in the first half. If instead of the Bears catching plus 170, you want some security with the push, you'd be getting them plus 148. For the tie no bet with Minnesota, instead of laying minus 162, you're getting Minnesota minus $2. Meaning you'd have to bet 200 to win 100. And for the Bears, 100, you get 148 back, 
whichever team were to win the first half. So that's how the first half odds are stacking up right now. On the year, Bears 7-9 and nine on the first half money line. Vikings ain't too shabby, 9-6-1. However, the last few first halves have been a mess. I mean, on the year, the Vikings are averaging 12.5 first half points per game, but 5.3 in the first half their last three games. 5.3. Yeah, I don't know. This Minnesota team's been a mess, right? I, I mean, against the Bears, what? They led 10-3. to And then what? the next game was against the Rams, and they had three points. Terrible. And then you had the Packers game where, well, you had, what's his name? Uh, Mannion, who was just terrible, and three again for Minnesota. But you're getting Kirk Cousins back. You're going up against a Bears team that, Knock on wood, you know, relatively healthy on the defensive front. And a defense that's allowing 11.2 first half points per game. 15 first half points per game on the road this season. But overall, they've been doing a little bit better, let's be honest. Minnesota defensively, they're allowing 11.5 first half points per game. And just 8.6 first half points per game at home this season. Bears only putting up 9.4 first half points per game. So let's get into a little bit more so. With all that being said, spread in the first half. The number's at two and a half. Last game, I was looking at my notes when we were previewing this. It was at like three and a half for the first half in favor of Minnesota, which they covered. But now this number's at two and a half. Again, even after the news of fields, we'll see where it shifts. But it's at two and a half. If you want to take it with the Bears, it's plus money, plus 104. If you want to lay two and a half with Minnesota, it's minus 137. This thing probably gets to three. Total points in the first half, 22 and a half is where it's set at. But let's hold off on the total points really quick. Going back to the spread, like I always do, I want to apply the current spread to all the past games for these teams. So the Vikings, for example, they're laying two and a half in this game against the Bears in the first half. What would their ATS record be? If they were have la- if they would have been laying two and a half in every single first half, well, their record would be eight and eight against the spread. What about the Bears covering two and a half? How many times have they done that? Seven out of sixteen games, not great. Remember, Vikings led ten to three at the half the last game at Soldier Field. So with the money line and the spread, if you're looking to back the Vikings here, guys, and I say this a lot. Minus 162 is not ideal. I would see if you could get a little bit better of a number. But with the spread at 2.5 in the first half, I don't hate it. But the fact that you're laying minus 137, at that point, I would pay less than 30 cents more for just the outright winner on the first half for the three-way, minus 162. Not the tie, no bet, minus $2. Look, first half is wonky, right? I mean, you can get the tie that falls and you would get screwed naturally, or you could get this game to land in the first half on one where it could be a seven to six type of game. You know, that happens, of course, more often in the first half than the full game. And laying two and a half, again, laying upward to minus 137, I would just go money line if you're looking to bet the Vikings in the first half. Now, as for the total points in this game, 22 in the hook is what we're seeing at Bet Rivers. Shaded to the over, actually. Minus 125. The under is minus 105. I'm a little shocked that it's shaded to the over, to be quite frank. Uh, the Bears have gone over 22.5 first half points with their opponent, not just them individually. They have only done that five times. Okay. 
They're five and eleven with that record. That's really been the nature of this Bears team, though. You know, first half defenses showed up, second half's been a different story. There's been first halves where they've gotten demolished. Packers have scored a lot. I mean, the Bears scored a lot in that game, too. Buccaneers killed them. Cardinals did a pretty good number on them. But this Bears team, again, you know, offensively, they've been better as of late. 10.7 first half points per game their last three games. I, and I get it. Dalton's been one of the quarterbacks. Foles has been the other. Then Fields against the Vikings. You can't take Dalton's points into context too much. I mean, it was the Giants. And he played very poorly. So, anyways, 22.5 with the Vikings. They have gone over that in 9 out of 16 games. The Vikings have the capability any given game to throw up 30-plus points. I honestly believe that. Does that mean it's going to occur in this game? No, not at all. Again, it's the Vikings. They're very frustrating. And it's in this game where not as much is on the line. I wouldn't have my expectations too high for Minnesota, and this could be a game now, again, major speculation, but both teams, you know, you take it a little bit easier, maybe you just do more handoffs, you're keeping everybody healthy, just want to get past this season at this point. Okay, running the ball, winding down the clock, lower scoring game. Not saying that's going to be the case, but it could be something. I think these teams, because it's a division game, a lot of players last game with this team, is probably the main... I mean, that's the assumption every year, but even more so with the two teams that need a turnover. They could be playing pretty hard, playing for their contracts. So regardless of all that, I honestly just think because of the price and because of what we've seen and because of what happened in the last first half, only getting 13 total points, under 22.5 for the cheaper price of minus 105, that would be a good look. With Fields as quarterback, again, I get it. Offense hasn't been great. But it's boomer bust, right? He gives you the higher ceiling. Maybe not the consistency, but the higher ceiling. Under 22.5, I think, is a solid look. Now, total points by each individual team. The Vikings first half team total points, 12.5. The over was minus 125 before the Fields news. Now it's up to minus 137. Okay, I don't know what Fields not playing quarterback has to do with Minnesota is going to do offensively, but it's moved 12 cents. Minus 112 to the under, now minus 103. The Vikings have gone over 12.5 in eight games. They've stayed under in eight games. However, the Bears have held opponents under this mark in 10 out of 16 games. Remember, Minnesota got 10 last time. I get why it's shaded to the over. Again, I do. But I do think the price of minus 125 is more appropriate than minus 137. So... Again, one of those things where if you want to bet the over, I think you look for a better number, maybe have some patience. I'm not rushing to bet the under. You could easily get two touchdowns out of Minnesota, an interception presumably by Andy Dalton. They'll put them in great scoring position. A couple field goals, touchdown, whatever it may be, Minnesota could easily get over that. Bears now. So before the field news, meaning when Fields was the quarterback, the total points by the Bears in the first half was set at 9.5. The over, it's still 9.5, by the way, but the over with Fields as quarterback was minus 143. Under was plus 102. Under is now minus 107. The over, 13 cents less, minus 130. 
Bears have only gone over 9.5 points in the first half six times this year. However, the Vikings have allowed opponents over the mark of 9.5 first half points in 12 out of 16 games. One of the games they didn't allow opponent over was the Bears. With Fields as quarterback, a few weeks back, Bears only got three points. Gross-ass game, but that's the Bears' offense. So, again, one of those things where the Vikings' defense is bad enough to where the Bears' offense could easily get over this, right? Touchdown, field goal, Kirk Cousins' interception. It goes really both ways for each team. You can't lay a high price like minus 130 to trust this Bears' offense. You just can't. And if you can, Godspeed to you because that just doesn't seem like a profitable venture over the long haul. It hasn't been. And not saying that that's what every game has been priced like or that the over has been shaded that way. I get why the price is where it is, and they'll get some money on there from diehard Bears fans. But that's just not a smart play in my opinion. Again, that's not me saying it's not going to happen or it can't happen. But based on where it's priced, you're better off staying away from it or taking the under minus 107. Do you have confidence now in this Bears offense with Andy Dalton? Who cares what he did against the Giants? Do not take that into account and factor that into your handicapping. You can't take the positives from that. You can take the negatives, though, in the sense that he was dying to throw an interception in that game, or he did, but he should have thrown two freaking more. Oh, I'm concerned. Hell yeah, I am. Keep... I just don't look terrible. He was not good. He hasn't been anything special this whole year. I and We knew that. You know the ceiling you're going to get with Andy Dalton. That Ravens game, he had some great moments. I will say that. That is true. But in a game like this on the road, final game of the season where you're questioning the motivation and mentality of all these players. I know Dalton's going to go out there and give 110%. The Bears are going to all around. I, I don't know what the Vikings' mentality is. That's why you still have this slimmer of hope for the Bears. But looking at this first half, it's hard. it's hard to think the Bears come out on top. I'd honestly almost rather bet the tie at 11-1 to than I would for the Bears to win outright in this first half. But the best bet, I believe, would be under 22.5 points, minus 105. Vikings could easily be up 14-6 going into the second half. 13-6, 13-7, 14-7, and you're still chilling. And that's assuming the Vikings can get two touchdowns and the Bears can get a couple of scores. Doesn't that seem like a lot? So looking at this first half, I think you'd feel pretty good taking the under 22.5 minus 105. Also, really quick, Vikings have not been great as of late. Over the last three games, Vikings are averaging just 4.3 yards per play. Bears actually averaging 4.6 yards per play their last three games. Defensively, Chicago allowing just four flat yards per play to opponents over the last three games and overall 5.2 this season. And putting that into context, the Vikings, the last three games, allowing opponents 5.6 yards per play. Yikes! And overall 5.8 this season. The Minnesota defense is no bueno. They have some good pieces here and there. Overall, not great. So, in terms of if you jumped in on the teaser with me, if you're going to, realistically, 
the Bears still should be able to cover if you're teasing up past 10. They should be able to keep this within a 10-point game. They should, based on what Minnesota's been unable to do this year. And based on the glimpses that we have seen with the Bears' backup quarterbacks and the fact you have David Montgomery in a defense that is playing better. So, yeah, I'm complaining. I'm sad about Fields not going. I, I would much rather have him a million percent, as would anybody, you would think. But at the end of the day, again, if it's simplified, if they keep it smart, you know, there's a saying, I think I might have said this on the show before, but in broadcasting, there's a saying, right? And it's called KISS, and it's keep it simple, stupid. When I was doing, you know, anchoring for news stuff for my capstone class in Nebraska, when you're covering news, you have a finite amount of time, amount of words, whatever it is to get your story out. Keep it simple, stupid. No need to be excessive with your words. Luckily, I have a podcast, so I can just talk as much as I want. But in a lot of other instances with broadcasting, you want to keep it simple, stupid. And that's what the Bears need to do with this offense when it's not Justin Fields. Heck, even when it is Justin Fields, you should have done that. And I'm not saying they should do that in the future, per se, but with this coaching staff and offensive line, they should have. But they were trying to always be too cute, not doing the right things. With Andy Dalton, Nick Foles, just keep it simple, stupid. Just do short passes. Hitches, out routes, slants. Let David Montgomery control it. Throw some damn screen passes, will ya? And just keep this game close. That's all at least I'm asking from you, Which they should be able to do against the Vikings. Alright, coming up next here on the Chicago City Cats, let's talk Blackhawks and Coyotes tonight. They got a game. Blackhawks actually a good chance to win because of how bad Arizona is. And I want to talk a little bit about the college football national championship game. I had a preseason bet on one of these teams. How should I hedge it potentially? How would you bet this game in general? We'll talk about that next here. Danny Burke, your host. It is the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Bet on same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1 800 Gambler. 1 800 426 2537. All right, let's talk some puck here on the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Blackhawks kind of screwed me in the last game a little bit, but I'm not blaming the Blackhawks. I blame the Avalanche a little bit more. So we went one and one with our hockey plays that day. I uh, took the Avalanche on the puck line, hedged a little bit going into overtime, but you know, uh, Colorado got the job done in OT, but the Blackhawks took advantage of power plays, made it pretty close. They still lose. Can they get the dub tonight against the Coyotes? Great chance, yes. But on the road, does that scare you a little bit? Perhaps. However, the betting market does show a little bit of faith in Chicago. So when you're looking at this game, in terms of the opener, the Blackhawks were about minus 150. Arizona plus 135 or so. Right now, you're getting the Blackhawks minus 159 at Bet Rivers. Arizona still about plus 135. Total at 5.5, slightly shaded to the under. If you want to lay the puck and a half with Chicago, 
Uh, that one seemed to have opened about plus 165. Now it's down to plus 155. So actually a little bit of love for Chicago on the puck line too. Arizona, if you want to take take the puck and a half, it is minus 190 at Bet Rivers. So the projected goalies, it appears, is going to be Flurry and Scott Wedgwood. Okay, now Wedgwood and the Coyotes in general have been not great, to say the least. And with Flurry, we know the talent Flurry has. We know how great he can be. He's kind of just screwed being stuck in a crap team. But Wedgwood, regardless, he's 4-9 and 3. 3.33 goals against average and an 89% with his saves. Flurry 9-10 and 2. He's got two shutouts, 2.91 goals against average, 91% with his saves. They did play each other. Flurry was in net in Chicago. They won 2-1 against the Coyotes. Wedgwood was in the net, so was Flurry. Lower scoring game, maybe that's why it shaded to the total going under. But going back to Wedgwood, some home and road splits, really bad on the road. 4.10 goals against average. However, they're playing this thing at home. He is 2-6-2, but he's got a better uh, goals against average, 2.86 at home compared to 4.10 on the road. Save percentage of 90 at home compared to 87 on the road. So Wedgwood, not great, does a little bit better at home in terms of the numbers, not the record. When you're looking at Mark Andre Fleury at home, he is 4-5-2, 3.16 goals against average, 90% with his saves, no shutouts. On the road, he's done better. 5-5-0, 2.60 goals against average, 92% with his saves, and he's gotten his two shutouts both on the road. Blackhawks showed some life against the Avalanche, plain and simple. Taves is playing a lot better. Need to get Kane involved consistently, but that'll be all right. You're getting your captain going, that's great. You're getting Flurry some confidence, you need it. Blackhawks should win this game. Does that mean I want to lay upward to minus 160 with them? No. So, if you are looking for some value, and let's be honest, I mean, if the Blackhawks are going to win this game, you're hoping it can be by at least a couple against this lowly squad, then you can look at the puck line. Some good value, plus 155. And the puck line's tricky. I don't normally gravitate toward taking the puck line. But again, I, like I, I'm usually willing to lay more just to get the outright winner. And if you are, that's fine. Then go Blackhawks money line. But I think it's a lot to lay to trust this Blackhawks team. That's the only thing. But if you're flatline betting, meaning say your standard unit's like 50 bucks, if you're betting 50 bucks regardless of the price, you're just gonna win less naturally. If you're doing minus 159, so you're betting the risk, not betting to win per se. So at that point, then maybe, hey, just stick to your pattern and go for them straight on the money line. But I don't hate the idea of going puck line plus 155 either. There's a time for the Blackhawks to look great, guys. It's going to be against the Coyotes, uh, the worst team in the NHL. Now, I wanted to move on to college football here tonight. We got no Bulls game. It's a little bit, a little bit bored around here with no Bulls action. And now that we don't have fields to look forward to, uh, I'm a little depressed. Not actually, but uh, in terms of the Bears, yes. But let's talk some college football. Georgia, Alabama. So it's not really a dilemma, but I just wanted to throw some stuff out there because some people might be in the same boat. And we were talking about hedging futures yesterday. Same situation here with Georgia and Alabama. Monday, 7 p.m. Central time. Alabama's a dog catching three. At Bet Rivers are plus 116 on the money line. Georgia laying three are also laying minus 143 on the money line. This total at 51.5 is slightly shaded to the over, minus 113. 
We all know what happened last time in the SEC championship game. You got to take into account, though, that Georgia didn't need to win that game. The desperation levels were incredibly higher for Alabama, who needed to win that game to get in, as opposed to Georgia, who it was just going to affect their seeding. And you knew they weren't going to play each other in the first round of the playoffs. It wouldn't be set up that way. So that's why you see Georgia as the favorite here. Don't take what happened into the SEC championship solely as a reason why you should bet Bama again. First of all, it's really hard to beat a team that close to each other in terms of, what, a month ago, and to beat them again. And a familiar-ish opponent, right? Georgia dominated Michigan. Alabama did very well against Cincy, don't get me wrong. I know there's some question marks about Bryce Young. The offense, you have more faith than Alabama, right? Defense, it goes to Georgia. Coaching, you go to Saban. So I completely get if you want to take the points with Bama or Moneyline. Honestly, if it's at three or below, I say you just go Moneyline with Alabama, for sure. We just talked about this, I think, yesterday. But my thing is, I took Georgia before the season 7-1 to win the Natty. Talked about it on Rush Hour. Might have talked about it on here. Regardless, good hedging opportunity, right? You're getting plus money with the opposing team in Alabama. So, I, you know, I did a couple different bets on Georgia. So, to say the least... I, I hedged a little bit with Bam. I, I, I didn't go full, fully insane. I mean, you just like I said, I made a couple. I hedged on one of them. So long story short, if I were you and say you had a big investment on Georgia to win the national championship, you know, whatever a big investment may be to you, something where it's like, man, if I hit this, it'd be great. Obviously, it would be huge. And then if you lose, well, it's going to hurt my account a little bit. If it's not going to hurt your account, screw it. Let it ride if you don't care that much. That's your own philosophy. Cool. Um, if you just want to go in there with no sweat, meaning, hey, you're rooting for Georgia, but you have the security of taking the plus money with Alabama, cool. Hedge a little bit. You still win if Georgia wins, right? If you got a good value on them. Now, if you're into the position where it's like, all right, if Georgia loses, I'm actually in deep on them. I, I need, I can't lose that money. Then, yes, absolutely hedge to cover that amount. So there's a lot of different ways you can approach it. It all depends on your style of betting. And if you're letting it ride or you want to play it safe, have a sweat-free bet, whatever it may be. So I did hedge a little bit. I took the plus money with Alabama. Overall, though, just aside from where my position in this game has been, I do like Georgia a little bit. Now, do I like him at three? Not necessarily. I, I think you're going to see two and a halves out there again to where at that point, I would either lay the two and a half or just lay more on the money line. That's what I typically do if it's under three, right? I mean, I'll lay the money line. And even now at minus 143, if you really like Georgia, I'd say you just lay a buck 43 on the money line to win outright. Georgia, again, look has been the most consistent team all year up until that Alabama game to where I bet on Bama covering. I was not shocked in the slightest that Bama won that game. Different mentalities and desperation meters for each squad in that game. This is different now. And again, it's not going to surprise me if Nick Saban wins, guys. Why would it? But Georgia, Alabama, another go around. Georgia's going to make this thing close. Kirby Smart knows what he's doing, okay? Obviously, Nick Saban does. But you can't just solely take what happened out of that SEC championship game and apply it here. 
So that's why I think the way I'm going, I, I just wanted to offer my perspective in the sense that if I was still going to bet it again, that's what I do. But I'm just going to sit comfortably with my little hedge, but overall still hoping Georgia wins for the bigger payout. Because that was the beauty of it, getting 7-1. to one, I can comfortably still win a decent amount of money if Georgia wins, even if I hedge. That's the beautiful thing about playing these futures, baby, and getting fortunate enough to get a team like Georgia there. So I'll be rooting for Georgia. I think they have the slight advantage I would lean toward them. Sharps hit them immediately when this thing opened like one. I bet it gets bet back down to Alabama. Public wants to take the points with Saban, of course, especially after what they saw in the SEC championship game. But this could be Georgia's time and turn to step up. They looked great against Michigan. Like this was a team to, uh, determined and ready to go. I think the same thing comes out to fruition on Monday against Alabama. But hey, I'm not going to argue if you want to take the points with Saban or the Crimson Tide as an underdog. You're doing pretty well if that's been the case. And that's why we did it against Georgia the first go-around. But different factors on the line here, right? Different situation a little bit. So let's go Bulldogs. Hedging a little bit. Suggest you do the same would be my philosophy going into it if you have a big enough plus money price on Georgia. Otherwise, still lean Georgia in this game. Not in love with it, though, too much one way or the other. Could absolutely get any argument for vouching for one squad. But okay, guys, that's going to wrap it up for another edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. We'll try to get you those props in the next episode. I know sometimes these books have been slacking a little bit with the games on Saturdays and with all the COVID issues. And now with the Bears quarterback situation, who the hell knows what's going to happen. Uh, I'm hoping it's Nick Foles. I know it's not going to be Nick Foles. I'm hoping some, I don't even know. I'm, let's just hope the Bears can keep this game close. All right, let's hope we get some props to work with because I'll definitely be checking in on the David Montgomery prop. I, I always say David Montgomery, right? But he's been a good guy to bet relatively. But I'm looking now, right? I mean, we barely got there the last time against the Vikings. But he hasn't been that, like, they didn't need him enough against the Giants where his stats didn't get padded incredibly. We might get a very good buy-low spot in terms of his rushing yards in this game, especially if the Vikings going off as the favorite. The assumption is the Bears will have to pass. Let's get some love for David Montgomery here. I'll I'll be pumped to see where that number's at. So hopefully we can get that out tomorrow. If not, I'll try to tweet it out as usual at Danny Burke 5 on the tweets. My show Rush Hour, be sure to check it out. Marquee Sports Network, vcin.com, wherever you get your podcasts. Also the Xfinity app, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. We're talking all things national perspective with sports betting. Uh, tonight we'll be talking about a couple other plays in the NHL that I like. We'll be talking about some other teaser opportunities. And on the show, uh, we got a solid lineup tonight, guys. We got Josh Applebaum on the horn. You know Josh Veeson's betting reporter tells you all the sharp market movements. And then Dan Leach, host of the Detroit City Cast, will get his thoughts on that Lions-Packers game, his thoughts on the Bears and Vikings matchup. We got the Red Wings playing tonight. We also got the Pistons, so we'll talk about that. And if some time, College Football Championship with Mr. Leach. So check it out then, and be ready to check out another episode of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers tomorrow. Until then, best of luck, folks. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your day.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.